you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. NFL Inside Report is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. I'm Rhett Lewis, and this is NFL Inside Report. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, we have reset the rosters in the NFL. And now in less than 10 days, teams across the NFL will be making their additions via the draft in Las Vegas. And that is where we are shifting our focus here today. Reminder to subscribe, rate, review our show on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your pods. We certainly appreciate it. And with us today, a couple of guys that have been on the ground for much of this pre-draft process here for Pro Days, the Combine, and essentially anywhere in between. Talking to James Palmer and Jeffrey Chidia. Gentlemen, great to be back here with you. And Jeff's got a great piece out right now um, on pass rushers as they try to make this transition to the NFL from the college game. We'll get into that here in a little bit. But I want to start with some of the wide receiver situations that have gone on recently. Both of you guys cover the Chiefs a bunch. The Tyreek Hill move, one of the biggest of the offseason, sending him to Miami. He then gets the, the big money deal, right? Devontae Adams, similar situation, leaves Green Bay, gets another huge contract there in Las Vegas. And now there's like that next round of guys that are looking for that kind of money, right? 49ers, Debo Samuel, Commanders, Terry McLaurin, Titans, AJ Brown, uh, who has made some interesting moves on social media recently. Let me start with you, James, here real quick, just on, on this phenomenon. Are you into or not into the reading into the scrubbing of social media from a player's or scrubbing of a team and all of their information from a player's social media platforms. I thought all of a sudden the question came out and I was like, are we on good morning football? Is this like, <laughs> I'm, you're not it, I'm not against, do I need a whiteboard to tell yes. you what I'm thinking yes. about, uh, you know, is it, is, am I in with this? I, listen, this is the generation that we're dealing with and the generation that is making up a large portion of the NFL. And this is how apparently Communication is uh, is, <laughs> is done, how we Jeffrey. Find out like, like, you, this yeah, is how you tell everyone how you're feeling, and and I think yeah. in terms of the receiver spot, the more people I talk to, it's like the Christian Kirk deal is the one that kind of 
skewed everything in terms of how this landscape was going. Not that it was like, it's obviously not the biggest, but it was like, whoa. And then everything kind of happened a little bit after that. I just think what's happening is now we're seeing, and you know, I live in Denver, Russell Wilson more or less told the Seattle Seahawks, I'm going to play for the Broncos. Let's make that happen. And players are getting more power and players are making their voices known, Jeff, like clearer and clearer about this is where I stand. This is where I want something to happen. But we also have seen, you can fix it pretty quickly with a new contract or everybody will be fine eventually. It, it seems to mend itself quickly, uh, even though yeah. people like to voice their opinion in terms of social media about where they stand uh, with where their pleasures are with their contract. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's that. And I also feel like it's the players can read and they can see what's coming behind them. They know that this draft, for example, has got six or seven receivers who are first-round talents. Mm -hmm. They saw what happened with Justin Jefferson. They saw what happened with Jamar Chase. Uh, obviously, they saw what happened with Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams and those guys as well. But there's, there's a, 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 a small window here to make your money, to make that big money now. Because if you're a GM and you're talking about paying a second, you know, second, excuse me, a second round pick, a guy who's in the last year of his contract now, big money. You're also probably looking at guys like Garrett Wilson or Drake London or people like that, Chris Olave, and saying, well, I could just go with this guy. <laughs> it would be just fine as well. Yeah, and, and th that's part of where I wanted to get into because, James, you saw one of those wide receivers that could be in that discussion down at Alabama's Pro Day with Jamison Williams. What was the sense you got down there um, about him as a, as a prospect that teams might see as you know, a high-level player that provides him a little bit more cost control than maybe some of the wide receivers that are established now in the league? Yeah, I had a goal going down there, Rhett. I was like, who in their right mind would want to leave the Ohio State University? What <laughs> oh, are you boy. thinking? And so, no, I'm, just, I'm joking. But that was actually when I talked to evaluators, like they were kind of curious going, where's the competitiveness, right? Did you not want to beat out Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba? It's a, it's a huge crowded wide receiver room why'd you leave right and and I kind of heard he didn't really like Ohio State that's kind of a bummer oh, but it didn't have anything to do when I was down in Alabama finding out with his competitiveness that was one of the things when I got a chance to talk to Nick Saban for a little while was like one of the things that he said JMO's competitiveness is kind of what made their team special and I had this hmm. pointed out to me by a couple of teammates about the way practices would go when he first got there first the first day of practice he was with them I was told it was one versus ones he catches the ball in the middle of the field. There's two safeties about, I don't know, six feet apart from each other. He goes through without even getting touched. And defensive players start asking guys in the secondary, like, are you guys loafing? Like, uh, you were going 100%, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we were. He's just that much faster than we are. And you're talking about a program like Alabama. But what stood out to Saban and stood out to teammates, and this is why Saban told me his demeanor is so unique for the wide receiver to where – he wants to be a gunner on special teams. He wants to play kickoff. Like they'd go ones versus ones for a period. And I think we've all known the reputation and the stories of Alabama practices, right? And how they're run and, and how hard they work. They would go from that period. And then the very next period is a special teams period. And I was told by teammates, like they'd watch him sprint over to a special teams punt period. And he'd be the gunner coming down on punt immediately after he was running deep balls with the first team offense. And they were like, geez, this guy works. Like that type of competitiveness, Saban told me, is what made their team kind of special. And I think I learned something about him as an individual. And he has been going up boards because the talent is ridiculous. But I think the way that he, in a lot of receivers, right, Jeffrey, like don't change 
the way your team vibes a lot of times, right? That's not the position you usually look yeah. to when you're like, wow, looks guy's kind of holding things together. He has a little bit of that. Yeah, and, and again, you go back to the guys that just mentioned, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson in, in the NFL. I think that what you're seeing in the league is people looking for those kinds of talents mm-hmm. at that position. Now, players who can come in right away and completely change the complexion of your franchise. I do have to laugh, though, because he probably want to be a gunner for Ohio State because <laughs> he probably have a chance to do that job down there <laughs> with Olave and those guys. But I, I give you credit for, for bringing up his – his uh, his work his work ethic here. I, I do love that love him as a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I, I do too. And like you know, we're looking at the Chiefs who now have you know two first round picks right there back to back as it currently stands. And if they stick right there, I think they're going to be out of luck. Um, with maybe yeah. the first five wide receivers could be off the board by that time. But Jeffrey, do you see that as a place that they still want to go, or do you feel like they're set? Uh, with the addition of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster, and company there in KC. I I think James would attest to this. I I think that when I look at the Chiefs going for receiver in the first round, a lot depends on what's there. I I don't think that as aggressive as Brett Veach is, he would go up to draft a a receiver at that spot. I think he'd go up to get an edge rusher. But I, I do feel like they have a certain type of receiver they like to have there. And so guys who are more like the Drake London's, uh, the bigger, the 6'4", 220-pound guys, the Traylon Burke-type guys, even though they're athletic guys, they just don't fit their mold. I think Jamison Williams is that kind of player. I think Chris Olave would be a great player in that in that system because of his route running and, and his, just his sophistication, his intelligence, his IQ. Um, but I think that they'll sit there and see what's available to them, and if they don't like it, they'll probably trade back and take one in the second round. Again, all these guys we just talked about, the Debo Samuels, the A.J. Browns, the people of that nature, um, Terry McLaurin, those, those guys were all second, third round picks. And so you can sit there and find a pretty good player at that position. You don't have to go up and get just the, the big name guys right now. Jeff and I were texting about this yesterday. I, I think we both, in fact, believe that Brett Veach is not sitting there with both those picks. They're not going to pick in both of those yeah. spots. I, I think it, we talk about this on, on, on NFL now, like the, the need of pass rush with the Chiefs, especially with everybody else's pass rush in the division, is a, just a monster, monster need. Um, it, it, Chris Olave actually has a similar mindset to, to Jamison Williams. I remember talking to Terry McLaurin about it this past year because I love to talk about my Buckeyes. So I asked him, it's you know, what's your Ohio time State chat room? Yeah, exactly. we're, we're always just, you know, Michigan I man down about. here at the bottom. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Loving this. Yeah. Uh, but he said he's like, he, he's like, he came up the same way I came up. They're really close, Terry and, and Chris Olave. And, and he's like, he did the same things I did. Like, and I remember because I watch every game, like Jeff watches every Michigan game. Uh, I'm surprised that we're able to get, able to get. Yeah, I watched Ohio State this year. <laughs> I watched them twice that over and over again. Whoa! Off the top you watched that on repeat. I watched the last ten years on. I watched the last ten years on repeat. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, he's like he's like Chris did the same things I did, and he was blocking punts as a freshman, and he was you know on special teams, and he's like he did it the same way I did it, and I think it makes you a better player at the next level. And, and Jameson Williams is kind of the same sense. Both those guys would fit in Kansas City, right? I. I I'm just curious what their thinking is with both of those picks. And remember, they have two second-rounders and two third-rounders. So he has the ammunition to manipulate and move for anybody that they really see that as, a, as a distinct target target for them. Yeah, and, and we'll get to perhaps some of those edge rusher possibilities that the Chiefs could see down there at the bottom of the first round uh, when, we get, uh, when we get a little bit deeper into this episode here, especially with Jeff up. Uh, 
put that piece out on NFL.com about the pass rushers. Uh, but I did want to get back to Alabama here for a second and kind of relating back to this situation that the Chiefs are in because part of the reason they were in that Tyreek Hill situation is you had the one-year franchise tag that you had to pay Orlando Brown. Um, you know, with with where he was at, weren't able to get the long term deal done in time, and so you know you're committed to that number, and and that's where they were at, and so you know Tyree kills on his way. Um, Evan Neal is, by the way, you know one of the top two, if not the top guy, depending on who you ask, um, in terms of tackles in this draft class, and you got to see him down there. In addition to guys like Christian Harris, James, who are going to be potentially yeah. you know early day two picks. Just your thoughts on some of those other Alabama prospects down there from your time at Tuscaloosa? Yeah, for Evan Neal's a different cat, and I mean that in a good way. I mean, I've never seen a guy go through his whole pro day wearing a watch. Uh, the entire time, especially, you know, you're going through all those pass blocking drills. And I'm like, he's like, I'm keeping track of my calories. He told me, like, I just want to see how much I burned during this, during this workout. And he didn't want to do the, you know, the, he didn't do any of the drills at the combine. He wanted to do them all of down, all down there. And I mean, to be six, seven, three forty five and move the way he moves and to play multiple positions at Alabama, very few programs probably would have had a guy like that play different spots in their career on the offensive line. But what really stood out to me Talking to him, aside of his intelligence and the, and the type of makeup he has as a, in terms of character, is he had zero penalties this past season. Six total for his three years starting at Alabama. So I, I think that, to me, and Jeff and I, we were talking about this before the podcast started, about the edge rushers and raw talent and, and being a tactician of your craft. If you don't have any penalties like that, that, that shows you're coming in as a pretty polished player because you know how to play the position on top of the physical attributes that he has. He'd love to go number one. They haven't had a number one pick from Alabama, I think, in 74 years. Uh, so he would like that to happen. Um, <laughs> Who was that? What's that? Who uh, was that guy? That's you know, I knew it when I was question. doing Alabama. It was a quarterback. Um, God. Yeah, long time ago. Yeah. Well, Namath was, was not NFL. He was so that's yeah. you know it doesn't technically count if you want to skew the stats the way I just did, but um, but Harry yeah. Gilmer, yes, there you go, there, there we go. go. How can we miss that? In 1948, <laughs> did you get that off the top of your head? Did you Google that, or do you still use Yahoo? It just yeah, yeah, it just took a little. It took a minute to circle back through the filing system in here. So I got it. Go. I got it. I got it. And then the other guy, real quick, I, I think yeah. like Christian Harris, and I went to LSU the next week. And people were talking about him. I talked to a head coach that was like, he's going he's gonna to play inside and he's going to play for an eternity because they love his makeup. They love the athleticism he has. He, I talked to Harris for a long time at Bama. He was like, dude, I was a safety and a, and a running back. And I'm at a camp and Hugh Freeze pulls me over to another drill. And it's like, hey, play linebacker. He's like, within a few weeks, I'm getting linebacker offers. And in two months, he has to prep to play linebacker to start at Alabama and ends up playing for three years. After Hugh Freeze at a camp tells him to go, hey, let, why don't we try you at linebacker? And now everybody is really, really around the league. His name keeps pump, coming up when I talk to people just because of his makeup. He's, he's just He just gets it. He's so professional in a sense and just understands kind of what, what would be asked of him. And there's – there's some teams that are, would be really, really excited to have him him on day two. Just an interesting, uh, interesting kid with the transition he went through and, and the way he was able to to make that happen so quickly. And then play. There's other guys breathing down your neck at Alabama and just move into linebacker and play for three years is crazy. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Evan Neal when I was at Michigan's pro day. I was talking to some scouts there about him, and, and they kind of mentioned the irony of the fact that in a different year he would be probably the hands-on, the, yeah. the, the, the odds-on number one pick. Uh, just because 
of the talent. Everybody down there was raving about him. But you look at the Jaguar situation, yeah. having Cam Robinson on a franchise tag. Like I had a couple personnel guys just tell me there, there's no way they can't take Aiden Hutchinson, number one. Or that was Trayvon Walker being the talk. I, I think it will still be Hutchinson. But just the feeling in that camp was that, one, this is a, a weird draft because you might have 10 picks go by without having somebody touching the football get drafted, <laughs> which rarely happens. Yeah. Uh, unless Malik Willis gets in there or Garrett, Garrett Wilson. But the fact that Aiden Hutchinson, a guy that a couple of years ago was just a, a good player trying to see if he could play at a high level, get into the first round, might end up being the number one pick. I mean, it's like as much as he's raved, as much as uh, James is raved about Ohio State, I'll worry about Michigan now. <laughs> and the fact that, um, you know, you talk about Hutchinson, you talk about Daxton Hill, you talk about David Ojabo, obviously a tough story there at their pro day going down with an Achilles tear. Um, the talent they have coming into this draft is pretty impressive as well. Ooh, one last note on Harris. I thought this is wild because we always love combine measurements. So when I was talking to him at the combine, he his broad jump was 11 feet, right? He runs a 4-4-4. And Christian goes, dude, I never broad jumped over 10 before the combine. Oh, I was boy. like, what, what happened? He goes, the combine has a measurement line at 9 feet and 11 feet. I thought the 11 stripe was the 10 foot stripe and he's like so i was just jumping for that he's like and maybe when the lights come on i just play better because he's like i also oh. never ran a 444 in any of my training he's, he's a red like, light so guy. he's like i was yeah. blown he we were all blown away by his combine performance he was like i had no idea i was going to get any of those numbers because i never and, and, measured at any of those numbers but it's kind of interesting though because that's kind of the discussion that we've been having on path of the draft a bunch and we, we talked about it uh this week you know with these off the ball linebackers because you know like you're looking at a guy like Devin Lloyd um, or maybe a guy like Nicobe Dean from Georgia um, as potential first round picks but then you see guys like Christian uh, Christian Harris Troy Anderson from Montana State yeah. Chad Muma from Wyoming Quay Walker from Georgia like like all right can we get like a similar type player at a better value in the second round. And so that'll be an interesting storyline uh, to see play out there. Uh, but Jeff talked a little bit about uh, what's going on at Michigan, kind of becoming, I think, what Aiden Hutchinson has termed pass rush you now. Is that, oh, is that what's going on? Yeah, it used to be Ohio State had that, that title, right? But they don't have yeah. any pass rushers coming out. Are there any pass rushers That's from Ohio right. State? They got coming nobody. No, uh, we, yeah. they've all come out and they've think, all gotten paid. Um, it's a finesse yeah. program up there now, down there. Yeah. Go yeah. check out the top, highest paid DBs, three of the top <laughs> two of the top three. We're, we're going to let James and Jeff sort this thing out and take a quick break and come right back on Instant Report <laughs> with another look at the pass rushers in this class. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. 
He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of it. Like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because it ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. All right, back here with the NFL Inside Report. James Palmer, Jeffrey Chidea back here with us. And uh, Jeffrey has been working on a piece about pass rushers, um, especially as they make the transition now from the college game to the pro game. And, and look, it, it, I've mentioned this also on Path to the Draft. Like, you know, last year we had the quarterbacks go one, two, three, right? And this feels like the opposition party's response to the State of the Union. Now we're, we might get edge rushers go one, two, three in this year's draft, right? Because, look, you know, those those are the two positions that are, you know, arguably at the at the highest premium in the NFL here at this point. Of course, there's no argument about quarterbacks. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the pass rusher is certainly uh, taken on uh, that level of importance in this league. Let, let me just toss uh, talk a little bit about the You know, the piece that you got out right now. And, and Jeff, like what you learned in your study mm-hmm. about these guys in this position. Well, it started off really, to be honest with you, it started off as a David Ojabo, Adafi Owe story because those two yeah. guys played together at the Blair Academy in New Jersey. And Ojabo saw the success that Owe had as a player and decided to play football at the age of 15. And then I went to Michigan's Pro Day and Ojabo tore his Achilles and that kind of killed that story. So we were kind of scrambling. And so we started looking at some of the other players in the draft of that position, guys like Boya Mafe and Arlo Ebikite and you know, uh, Ojabo, George Karloftis. And we realized that a lot of these guys picked up football pretty late um, or came from other countries to pick it up. Or you had guys like Jermaine Johnson who had one big year. And so we started looking at some of these players and looking at Owe and started saying, well, God, man, it's, look, a lot, of, a lot of players are coming in this league without having the typical background or having being, being as well-rounded at this position and just talking to different personnel people. They agreed that what you're seeing in the NFL nowadays is, a lot more pass rushers coming in who were raw, largely because they're putting better athletes at the position. You're seeing more spread formations and RPOs and in college. So teams are just saying, go get the quarterback. And what you're getting is guys like people I just mentioned who are having great success 
want to skill to defending the run or some of the other things you want from defensive linemen, uh, edge rushers, outside linebackers, but have a huge upside to NFL teams. And, and James, you know this. You, you're in a town where Bob Miller was dominant player for forever. They've just picked up Randy Gregory and Adam Bradley Chubb. It's just like the way this league has gone now, with the way the passing has gone, with the way quarterback play has gone, everything now is about getting after quarterbacks with four down linemen and making it happen. And these guys that I just mentioned have a great future because of that. Yeah, you, Jeff, you mentioned four down linemen, making sure you get up quarterbacks there. I mean, that, that's that's the way the league's becoming, right? Like it, I, we were talking Ravens, or we were supposed to talk Ravens on TV the other day, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it didn't happen. But like oh. they, they've struggled to get after the quarterback, as you mentioned. Oh, like like they've had to blitz over the last couple of years to get pressure, and that's hurt them late in games, right? That's hurt them in close games in the fourth quarter because the quarterbacks like Mahomes and, and company can can destroy you when you have to bring extra pressure. We look at what Cincinnati was able to do against Patrick Mahomes by getting pressure and, and, and kind of playing the position, playing the pass rush a little bit differently. It's funny you mentioned where I'm at in Denver. It's like I remember the appeal of Bradley Chubb just five years ago as the number five overall pick was mostly because he was so skilled at the position. He had multiple pass rush moves. He had the ability to come at you with a variety of things to where he had some things that these other guys were talking about didn't have because he was coming in polished. But I think players like Micah Parsons, it's like, Oh, a guy can just come in that's an unbelievable athlete and just be like, hey, go get the quarterback. And he sacks NFL quarterbacks like on a regular basis. I think we have to remember that like that's not the norm. But Rhett, Jeff and I were like joking, go like it's it is what coaches think. They think it about quarterbacks too. That's why the same guys keep going. Well, I can fix it because the raw talent's there, but I know how to get to them. And, and I think that's the thought of I can get this raw talent into my building as a pass rusher, and then we add the moves. Like, and we add a variety of moves and and he goes to the pass rush summit, like the Vaughn Miller and company put on, like, and we can develop it. Then they have, you know, the athletic ability to start off with. It's wild how that's kind of changed in a sense to where it's funny. Five years ago, Bradley Chubb, so polished. We need that. And and now it's, it's a little bit of a different thinking because of the athletes. Let me hit Jeff uh, on one piece of the story. You were talking about Boye Mafe. Did he tell you the story or did you find out about the story about how he got his first scholarship offer and how he was uh, honoring his commitment to the track team when his high school football coach had set up a workout for their football players in front of a certain college coaching staff or whatever, uh, but the track coach wouldn't let him out of track practice to go to that football showcase uh-huh. You know, for for college, and then and so he's literally running on the track outside of the football field, right? That goes around the football field while all of their while all the other football players are doing their workout, and the college coaches are all turning away from the football. <laughs> watch this huge kid pass everybody on the track. He told me that uh, recently, a couple, uh, gosh, a couple of months ago. Now, um, he is such an interesting prospect, isn't he? Oh, with phenomenal potential. He's fascinating. I love his story too, because yeah. uh, just like Ojabo and Nebukite, I mean, his his parents came from Nigeria, immigrated here, and they had a tradition in their family of sending every kid. They have four kids. Every kid had to go spend the eighth grade in Nigeria at boarding school, and so he left. And he wasn't like he would play a little pee wee football with his buddies, but nothing yeah. serious. So he left, and he was just like, "I'm not, you know, going to go out here and see what's going to happen. Maybe I'll play some soccer, play a little basketball when I come back." He was 5'6 when he left. He came back and he was 6'4. 
And, and before that point, Ferris foot. wouldn't let him play. He grew almost a foot. Wait, yeah. In one year? In one year. <laughs> one year. So he came back, and the dad was, and the parents were like, oh, my God, I guess he can play football now because he's big enough. And he's got a brother who played college for small college football in Minnesota and a cousin who played uh, small college football. And they both saw him, and they said, man, you could be, you could be a, at least a college player maybe an NFL player with your size and athletic ability. And he was so raw when he started playing as a freshman in high school in Minnesota that he, it was like he was playing tag out there. He didn't have any sense or any instincts. But, again, with that cousin, that brother, people in his corner, he just blossomed. And that's the thing, James. It's like you see um, in the NFL nowadays, you see these guys come out of nowhere. And the way the game is being played, it's so much easier for them to prosper. I mean, this is a kid who was a three-star recruit didn't know what he was doing as a freshman in high school. Now he's about to be a first-round pick. David Ojabo came here, started playing football at, you know, at 15, lived in Scotland, grew up in Nigeria. And, and there's something about, I think, you know, maybe it's a cultural thing here too. That's what um, uh, Boya's cousin said was that Nigeria is such a militant culture that football is a militant game. The, the ability to pick things up quickly, sometimes it helps coming from someplace else and not being caught up in all the hype of what American football is like. Sure. I, I'm going to get that in a second. I have two quick questions. One, how many questions do you think his parents asked him to make sure like the right child came back? <laughs> <off the laughs> like, that size difference to be like, are you, yeah. are you my son? Like, yeah. that would be mind blowing. And yeah. two, who is this track coach? Like, like dude you coach high school track like, you're like no man we got to meet friday there's no way you're gonna like have yeah. a chance to help your you know college prospects by any means no way you're not allowed which well, is insane guess who got the last laugh yeah right exactly right. but to jeff's point too with the way this is trending in a lot of this i i have sadly have not been able to read the story yet which is a bummer um and but but Saban said this to me, like the game is played in so much space now, yeah. right? That that is such an advantage. If you have that athletic ability and, and, and the technical aspect of everything happening right in here, it isn't maybe as needed because you can play out in space and you can just find a way to make a play. It, it does change the way you look at players. He told me that he's like, it's a, it, cha- it has changed the way my guys coming out are perceived by NFL guys because of the way the NFL game played sure. in space. That's why he was saying Christian Harris is, is a guy that, that NFL teams should really like because in space with that athletic ability, it's 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 an advantage. That's what's happening with some of these other spots too. And we certainly expect the edge rushers to kind of dominate the top 10 of the first round. I mean, like you could get minimum four off in the top 10 picks, you know, with, uh, with Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, T- Kayvon Thibodeau, and Jermaine Johnson from Florida State that you all mentioned there. And then maybe another two or three before the round yeah. is over, like yeah. it, it, I mean, it, it could. I think Ojabo goes in the first picks. round. I think a pretty good chance goes late. Yeah, Ooh. I think someone could take a flyer on him. Sure. Hey, remember what the Cowboy- Cowboys are picking in the mid twenties? Remember what they did with Jalen Smith in the yep. second round a couple mm-hmm. of years ago after the devastating mm-hmm. knee injury? Um, you know, and and ended Wasn't up working out for them in the near term. Right. Correct. Yeah. Thank you. James. <laughs> um, all right, James, you were also at LSU's Pro Day, which kind of gave you a unique perspective on on two guys with top 10 potential in this class, uh, but only one of them was actually from LSU. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because they're very different in terms of the way they're yes. perceived by all of these evaluators, right? I mean, Derek Stingley's like Pro Day was maybe the most anticipated Pro Day of this offseason, right? Because of what happened the last two years, playing just 10 games after 2019 tape essentially shows him as a first-round pick as a freshman, really. And then, you know, there were so many question marks. And 
This is what I got being there and talking about. There are teams that are terrified of Derek Stingley that are like, I- I'm not going to touch him. Like, I-, I can't forget the two years after 2019. And, and I tried to dig on with him a little bit. Uh, he didn't really want to talk about it, honestly, uh, about the two years. And obviously, injuries are part of it. And But then there's the other aspect of it where everybody you talk to is like, the talent is off the charts. Like, the yeah. footwork is incredible. The ball skills are out of this world. I had, a, I had a scout walk by me when he's going through his drills that Brandon Staley was essentially like halfway through started running himself. He was so intrigued by Stanley. Like a, a scout just walks by me on a ball that goes up and he makes a plan. He's like, his ball skills, just phenomenal. And I'm like, yeah, like it's just, he stands out like with the way he moves. It's so effortless, you know, coming off the list. Frankly, I have to remember though, he was like only preparing for these combine drills and, and, and stuff for three weeks before he performed at the pro day in terms of being cleared to do all those things. And he just like, it was so easy. You know, everybody has their routines, like, you know, they're, they're 19 different like arm movements before they jump up and do the vert, like in the, the, all these oh, different yeah. things. He like literally just walked onto the vert, jumped up and did it, walked over to the broad jump was like ready and jumps and goes like, and he got every number almost to the inch talking to people close to him that he knew he was going to get. It was insane. Like 38 and a half. He thought he'd jump 38. He had 10, two in the broad. He thought he'd have 10, three, like four, three, seven. He thought that's exactly what he was going to get. The talent is so, so there. Some evaluators believe like when the program makes a little bit of a turn and you played at that high level and you're at a championship caliber, like sometimes your play can go down is, is is the desire there? Like, there's all these questions that teams are trying to get answered, but they can't deny Jeff the talent. That was like the most, yeah. you know, eye popping aspect of him. And I think if you just watch him versus Jamar Chase in practice, that tape from 2019, you're like, okay, like this is worth the try. I think. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is here playing in uh, Kansas City, and he was on that championship team with these guys. And somebody's uh, unearthed some footage of Joe Burrow talking about the most freakish athletes on that LSU team, number one guy was Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Still don't understand how that happened. All these other guys, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, D- Derek Stingley, it's amazing that that name was put out there. But not, not a slam on, uh, on uh, no, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but just sort of an amazing revelation. Great nugget. At yeah. the time. But, uh, but to the point about the cornerback play, you know, talking to personnel people around the league as part of the story I was doing – the other side of that whole pass rush emphasis is just that it's so hard to get guys who can excel in man coverage today, who can compete with the, the Jamar Chases of the world, with uh, the Justin Jeffersons, and that it's like teams now are so they want it. Even when they get guys who have that ability, they still want to play off. They want to play more zone. They want to do more things that are more cautious as far as defending uh, the the pass because, as we just said, the quarterbacks are so good, but there's so many. T- talented receivers out there nowadays that a guy like Derek Stingley, even with the injury history, even with all the questions here can still end up being a top 15 pick just because of the potential, the, yep. the, the, the need there. I mean, I don't want to, you know, uh, get on Denzel Ward here for the big counterty sign, but my God, they got paid a huge amount of money for being, I don't see him as the same player as Jalen Ramsey, but what he can do mm-hmm. for secondary what we're talking about here, what Derek Stanley can do for a secondary, just give somebody a chance to win a one-on-one battle with a receiver. True. Real quick on this, I, I'm and this is I just thought of this now, and I'm not sure if this is hurting Stingley or not, but like you look at Sauce Gardner, the other top corner with him, and to not allow a touchdown in three years and start, you go, 
All right, here's one guy that never took a play off, it appears, to a guy to where it's like, what happened the last two years? I'm wondering if the comparison hurts Derek Stingley at all, right? Because of what you're seeing with Sauce Turner going like, oh, this is a guy that just every single play, it's the end of the world for him. There's only... um you know, about four teams that are going to have to make that decision because True. it's quite possible that Sauce Gardner is off the board. But, but yeah, when you look at a guy like Trent McDuffie from Washington, who's, mm-hmm. you know, like a technician at the position um, and, you know, was hardly challenged this last year at Washington because he's that good, you know, like art, like, all right, I've got, I've got kind of a, what I feel like is a sure thing here. But maybe a guy with a much higher ceiling. That's this is exactly what Jeff's talking about yeah. with the pass rushers, right? Like then yeah. everybody should be picking Derek Stingley, like because the ceiling is is up here for him. Or everyone should be picking Trayvon Walker, or, or be, and, and the yeah. Jags should really be considering Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson. It's the production projection and the whole thing. But yeah, and there's um, enough teams, right? Like I've talked yeah. to that are like, I think when he gets to the league, he'll be a superstar. With yeah. All right, last one here because. The head coach of the LSU Tigers is Brian Kelly, um, who knows very little about the players that were there at LSU competing at the pro day. Um, but you did, being the you know professional reporter that you are, really start connecting the dots back to his time at Notre Dame, where he has another high-level prospect in this draft. Yeah, and Kyle Hamilton. And, and that's what I wanted to talk to him about, was, was kind of the chess piece. And that, that was his analogy before I got to it. But he was like, he, he told me, he's like, He's your rook. He's your knight. He's your whatever you want it to be. Make moves on the field that nobody else can make. And he said, you combine that with his off-the-charts intelligence. It allows him to be a piece that in really each game week of preparation, you can use him almost in a different manner. And he was like, in the NFL game, like, how is that not needed because of the talent that comes in? Like, one week it's a Travis Kelsey, right, Jeff? And the next week it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's somebody else on the outside that he might need to help with. The way offenses have these, these talented chess pieces on their side of the ball, I, I, I'm curious why that position, like, because everybody said, well, don't take a safety that high. Well, I'm like, well, if these, like, George Kittles and, and Travis Kelseys are so unstoppable on offense, why isn't that piece that can guard them? more valuable on the defensive side of the ball because he told me like the the way you can use him it could could change each week so i don't get why that's not something that teams would absolutely value uh at the first half of the first round yeah i think the only thing about kyle hamilton that that scares me is the 40 time and that's the thing that everybody talks about when you're running four five six or someone said as slow as four seven um yeah it that that that's that's eye-popping and I think at his size, the best comparison you have is Sean Taylor, uh, who was a freakish athlete, who was like mm-hmm. legitimately like a four three, four four dude who could do all types of things. And the thing that scares me about Hamilton is just you end up having a situation like with Isaiah Simmons that came out of Clemson um, a few like years ago. Positionless, yeah, positionless. He can do all these different things, but then it's like, where is he excelling? And I, I hope that it works out. I think it has to be the right scheme. I think it's got to be the right coach who understands how to take advantage of that. Because if it's not, then I could easily see him being isolated on someone like a, you know, like a Darren Waller and getting taken advantage of. Like it's it's really easy to take advantage of guys who are not that quick in this league. And so that's the only thing I wonder about. But other than that, I think he's a terrific player. I'll give you guys to end this thing just a little sneak peek at the one and only Rhett Lewis mock draft that comes oh. out uh, <laughs> next week. Draft a, man, a mock of integrity. That's right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, we, we obviously we kick off draft week with my mock draft on Monday. That's just, that's just like a tradition. Um, so okay. I've got, I mean, I think I'm going to have Kyle Hamilton going to the Houston Texans at the 13th overall pick. Okay. Just because, like, I can't necessarily, like, I, I just, I have a hard time finding a home for him in the top 10 unless somebody comes into the top 10 to try to get him. But then I'm like, are people really giving up draft resources to trade into the top 10 for a safety? Right. Um, and and not to say that like it's not an important position, but like there are just I feel like other need other positions of value like tackles. I think you mm-hmm. can see teams trade up for edge rushers. You're going to see guys yeah. trade up for corners, perhaps. Yeah. It's, it's it's a hard position to, to be dominant at in today's yeah. game. Yeah, just because so many people play play too high safety. Yeah, so many teams are afraid to blitz now, and, and like you said, James, that being a chess piece is great, but you got to be playing chess <laughs> to yeah. make it work. It, it, it really, <laughs> I mean, I re- you brought up Isaiah Simmons. Like, I remember talking to Vance Joseph, their defense coordinator, about it. Like, like he's like, it, it, it's it's cool, but it's more work for me. Like, <laughs> yeah. you got to figure it out. It's, it's, cool, to have, it's out. cool to have that like that yeah. piece and that that versatility. But then I got to figure out how we're going to use you and then the other 10 around you, how it all fits together. But I do think like there to have that impact, you know, we were, we're talking about Kansas City and we're talking about, you know, Tyron Matthew and like Jeff, you and I have talked to enough players where like if he's not on the field, the defense doesn't work. Yeah. So if we're yeah. talking about importance, wow. there are some situations and I think that scheme fit exactly his importance. Like they couldn't disguise what they wanted to disguise. They couldn't hide him in terms of blitzing and stuff. It could just because of his specific skill set. But I think that's, you know, why the, these pieces, an edge rusher fits everywhere, right? Yeah. Like tackles fit every everywhere, essentially. You got to find the right fit and find the right fit flourish. Don't find the right fit. You're yeah. kind of failing. How do we Go make wonder. this? Yep. That's just one thought. Um, but that was uh, a uh, episode. Jeff, we got a sneak thought. peek. I love that. You got a sneak peek. Heard it first. Yeah. And ah. so, you know, like, yeah, maybe I should tease that at the top of the show. Yeah, I should, should go back and oh, change uh, Is that. it like Charles Davis's mock draft? Like, every pick, like, you have to have, like, people on on, on NFL now, like, wondering, what, what's he thinking here? Oh. <laughs> what's going on here? I yeah. that the other day. <laughs> mock drafts are not for the faint That's of heart. That's going to the Steelers. Yeah. Oh, man. Rip the shreds. Yeah, I like that thought. What are you but, thinking here, Charles? Like, jeez. Yeah, I'll show you guys my mentions once that thing uh, drops on Monday uh, of draft week. So look forward to that. Uh, that'll be a whole episode. We're just going to read mean tweets to Rhett following his mock draft. So that'd be great. Thanks. I'll James, be on that. I'll Jeff, be on that pod. Appreciate your insights, guys. Let me read a couple of them too, if I can. <laughs> yes, there's your GMFB reference to close it. <laughs> you said this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think. Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of NFL Inside Report. Thanks so much for being with us. Reminder to download, rate, and review our show on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you guys being along for the ride. For our producers, Thomas Warren, Tim Parachka, and Harrison Sanford, I'm your host, Brett Lewis. We'll catch you next time. NFL Inside Report is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more official podcasts from the NFL, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.